Welcome to the Weekly Sprout. You are tuned into episode 56. Week one is in the books. Uh, we have some highlights to talk about, some winners and losers, and then we have a preview of our games of the week next week for week two as well. We are excited, uh, disappointed, happy, all sorts of mixed emotions on this podcast. We're going to dive into some of that, um, but we're looking forward to sharing our experiences with week one with all of you beautiful listeners. First and foremost, though, I have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you both doing? All things considering, I'm doing good. College football was great this weekend. NFL, for having no preseason, was pretty high level of play. And also the Big Ten appears that football is going to come back in October. So I can't complain. Yeah, I'm excited as well. The Packers won. They scored a lot of points. I'm leading the picks for the podcast. And, uh, you know, everything's gravy right now. We'll see if things take a downturn and I get depressed you know, as the Packers go, so do I. But uh, for the moment, you know, I'm sitting pretty. Yeah, we saw some vintage Aaron Rodgers for sure. That was uh, good to see. And Devontae Adams came out swinging. Had had a phenomenal fantasy day for me that still ended up in a loss. So all in all, mixed week for me. Uh, you know, we'll dive into... Top receiver, that guy. Uh, top, top one five. receiver. Top one yeah. receiver, man. What are you talking yeah. about? There we go. Top Durgan's one fantasy. On board. Top one fantasy yes, receiver. there we go. Um, speaking of, of winners along the lines of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, let's dive into our winners and losers of the week. If you're not familiar with this format, we're each going to take you through who we think is a one winner and one loser that we picked and give you a brief explanation of why. And we'll start with Durgan on this, and I kind of have a feeling of where he's headed with this, uh, yep. but I'll let him take it away. Go ahead, Durgan. Yeah, so my winner is none other than the Arizona Cardinals. They beat my San Francisco 49ers, who I will be the first to say did not play well, and should have won. But if you're the Cardinals and you're a team on the rise and that's trying to gain respect, these are the games you need to win. They didn't necessarily do anything exceptionally well besides throwing the ball at DeAndre Hopkins, who looked phenomenal. Niners had no answer for him, uh, which was kind of surprising. I thought they would, at some point, throw a double team in his direction. But you saw the progression you wanted to see from Kyler Murray. You saw the defense play pretty well, especially in the secondary. So they had a lot of things that were kind of question marks heading into this year that, in my opinion, so far were answered. And now they're up 1-0 in a divisional game on the road. They don't play another really good team until week six as the Cowboys. As we saw from the Cowboys, are they even a good team? We don't know. So they have a very easy schedule to start the year. They can jump out to an undefeated or a one-loss you know, first half of the year. And that would put them squarely in playoff position, which for a team that many see on the rise is a huge step forward. So good for them. Kyler Murray looks great. His stats weren't great, but he he won that game for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a little bit of getting the monkey off your back too. So you you just proved to yourselves like, oh, now we're you know we can compete with this team. We got close last year, and now we actually beat them. And I think psychologically that probably does a lot for your team. They start believing and. Uh, you get a little bit of mojo going, and it was an impressive showing. That defense showed up, like you mm-hmm. said, um, and they played well, and they really didn't beat themselves. Yes. And, uh, whereas the Niners, I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday, if the Niners play at like below 80% and the Cardinals play at 100% or high 90s, the Cardinals are going to win. 
But yep. if the if the Niners play their best game, they should beat the Cardinals every every week. And that didn't happen this last week. Um, I'm not super concerned about the Niners. They got a fantastic team, and it's week one. Uh, hopefully those things get polished out. You know, you get some receivers back, and, and things get back on track there. Yeah, and I think reinforcements are coming for sure. You, you hope to get Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel back. But if I'm the Niners, I am looking and keeping my eye on that position and trying to sign or trade for whoever is available that can contribute to our team. I know we talked about potentially Mohamed Sanu. That could be a good fit. Um, Allen Robinson recently on the trade market could be a decent fit. Uh, some rumblings about OBJ, kind of doubt that happens. But if I'm the Niners, like that's really the one thing right now that you need to look out for. You need to give Jimmy G some some weapons besides Kittle. And uh, that offense was looking relatively stagnant, which is not something we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a Jimmy G guy. I've been a, a Jimmy G guy since he arrived in San Francisco. But he played terrible on Sunday. And granted, he didn't have any receivers. He only had three healthy receivers at the end of the game to throw to and those guys are super elite but he had a throw at the end of the game that would have probably won the game for them uh, and he underthrew it he had a wide mm-hmm. open Kendrick Bourne in the end zone and he threw a duck so yeah, yeah I mean it's, at some point it's it's concerning because it's, it's his third year in the system and he should it's a fourth year in the system actually three, three and a half years but he needs to at some point get better and for you sure. can't rely on your receivers to bail you out um and you're a big time quarterback. You gotta win the games. You know, the ball in your hands. So, it, it is concerning. I'm not too worried. It's week one, weird off season. So, not overly concerned. But um, yeah, more receivers definitely wouldn't hurt this team. And I think they'll sign Muhammad Sanu. Uh, yeah, they should. They should this week or next week. Keep their eye out on the trade market as well. See if there's any good values there. But I will say, I think uh, Mostert cemented himself as the real deal. I mean. Yeah. He came out and he busted that long... Uh, long touchdown reception. Yeah, that was that was sick. Um, but really, the swinging point, I don't know if... I don't have any stats or anything tangible to back this up, but it felt like when George Kittle got hurt and wasn't yeah. really 100%, that was sort of the swing in the game for me, and the Cardinals took advantage of, of uh, that. And, and just, man, DeAndre Hopkins making that uh, trade look like a steal for the <laughs> Cardinals right now. He Gosh. balled out. Um, well worth well worth the money they paid him as well. So let's stick with winners. Casey, why don't we dive into your winner for the week um, and give us your reasons why. Yeah, I've got a, a player and not a team. And, oh. Oh. you know, he's a, he's a favorite of mine. He's got a magnificent mustache. He's now got some long flowing locks, a little bit like the guy that people were speculating might replace him at the end of this year. It's Gardner Minshew. Uh, and the Jaguars beat the Colts. You could also pencil in the, the Colts as a loser. Uh, they're not my loser this week, but uh, nobody thought the Jaguars were going to to beat the Colts. Uh, didn't really give them much of a chance, and they they went out there and they played hard, and, and they won. And now Gardner Minshew is one game further away from the Jaguars potentially drafting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the draft. So by by succeeding and, and winning games, he's going to put his team in a worse position in the draft and and eventually cement that starting job for himself. Because if you're if you're picking at number ten or something, you're not going to be able to get one of those elite guys, uh, and his job is going to be safe, which is sort of what I predicted a few weeks ago. And and uh, we'll see if he can win, you know, four or five more. Um, but it's a good start for a Jaguars team that a lot of people didn't really think were going to be very competitive. I mean, Minshew came in clutch at the end, 19 of 20 passing, uh, and then threw two or three touchdowns, and uh, 
He's just a baller. He's a gamer. It might not always look pretty, but he gets the job done and plays well on game days. Yeah, he's got that it factor that I don't think can be understated. I mean, uh, it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but the dude is a winner, man. And, you know, if you want to find out why he's more than a meme um, and really a legitimate player in this league, I tweeted out the video. Casey did a really fantastic breakdown. Check that out. I think you'll be surprised at some of the things he's capable of uh, beyond, you know, stretching in a jock strap and having a fantastic <laughs> mustache. But, um, yeah, for sure check that out. Durgan, you have any thoughts on Minshew before we move forward? I mean, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a big winner. Uh, he, like you said, the more he wins, the more job security he has. Uh, I'm not sure if the Jaguars are too happy that instead of getting Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent, they'll have Gardner Minshew, who has a mustache and wears jean shorts as their quarterback. But that, that's not Gardner Minshew's problem. He, he's, he's paid, <laughs> yeah. he's paid uh, to win games. And while that game he didn't – I mean, he, he gave what – he took what the defense gave him. He didn't push the ball yep. into any forcing, you no know, double coverage. Only 173 yards because they were giving him the easy throws, and he was, he was taking them. That's why his completion percentage was so high. And the Jaguars, yeah, they showed fight. Uh, they're young. They're scrappy. We see, we'll see how they adapt uh, as teams now are kind of woken up and not going to overestimate them. So that's going to be an interesting team to watch down the line. But, yeah, good for Garner Minshew. I mean, yeah, yeah. He might be a franchise quarterback. He just might be. And, you know, loser loser of the week, Shahid Khan and his tanking efforts as the owner of the ja- <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if you can beat the Colts, I think you can you can be competitive with a lot of other teams. So um, Let's just say they're, yeah. they're not going to move to London with uh, Gardner Minshew, who's the most American-looking quarterback you can possibly think of <laughs> yeah. uh, as our guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to keep it with the quarterbacks. I've, my winner of the week is uh, none other than Russell Wilson and uh, his Seahawks. 38-25 victory over the Falcons. Um, you know, I picked the Falcons to win this game. I just think that team has a lot of offensive firepower, and they showed it. I mean, Matt Ryan throwing for over 400 yards, three receivers with over 100 yards. Um, Todd Gurley did some things, too. But, man, Russell Wilson came out slinging that thing, man. He, he uh, before... Um, before the f- the second half, I think, had four touchdowns. And he was yeah. 21 for uh, 24, 183 yards. Or 31 for 35, excuse me. Um, so this dude is on a mission. I think this is the year that he potentially wins his MVP uh, award that has eluded him throughout his career. Um, he's just looking on another level. Like, in this game... I was surprised at some of the throws he was making, and usually I'm not that surprised because I know he's a great quarterback, but the dude was the most accurate I think I've ever seen him. Um, Like I said, 31 for 35 at the end of the game, 322 yards, four touchdowns. That's insane. Like The accuracy that you have to throw with to be 31 for 35 at the end of a game and the decision-making that it takes to do that, man, uh, I don't even know. It It was a clinic. He was surgical. And um, it was it was a beautiful thing to see. Even though I picked the uh, the Falcons to win that game, Russell Wilson did his thing, man. So I got to give it to him. He was he was a winner for me this week. Yeah, apparently in the in the off season he was like, "Yo, Pete Carroll, if you don't let me cook this year, I'm I'm gonna be cooking somewhere else." Uh, like legit, he he went and, and asked for the offense to be opened up a little bit and to to push the ball down the field and and let him get going earlier earlier on in games. Um, the Falcons secondary is not the best in the league so uh I don't want to crown him just yet but he's doing Russell Wilson things and if that offense opens up in conjunction with that 
uh, and he's throwing more and he's throwing 35 times a game and getting four touchdowns and 300 yards, it, it could absolutely be an MVP type season for him. I Man, I can't say I'm surprised by this. I, I picked him to be the preseason MVP. He's been the MVP in my eyes the last two years, last like two or three years, ever since he's become the guy in Seattle. I watched that game uh, live, and I'm just in awe of his abilities as a quarterback and also the way he just controls the pocket. He can stay in the pocket. He can scramble outside. He's so tough to bring down, and he's only I think 5'11", 115 pounds, so mm. he's not a hulking presence, and yet he plays so much bigger when you see him uh, out there juking guys, breaking tackles. So, Russell Wilson, and he's not throwing to great receivers. I mean, DK Metcalf looks good. Uh, Lockett is a good receiver. They have a zillion tight ends who are good. But he's not throwing to a DeAndre Hopkins, a Michael Thomas, a Julio Jones. And also, their their game, usually, is through the running backs. They want to run mm-hmm. the ball and then kind of uh, play action off of that. But he said, he said, I want the ball in my hands, and we're gonna, I'm going to take you guys to the promised land. And so far, it looks good. And Jamal Adams played phenomenally for that Seattle yeah. team. So, yeah, they're, they're looking good. I hate to say it, but they're the team to beat right now in the NFC. West. West. Saints are a team to yeah. beat in the NFC. There you go. Maybe the NFC as a whole. I mean, if they play yeah. like this, it, it's Tough to they're beat. in that conversation. So, um, let's uh, let's dive into the other side of things um, with our losers of the week. Durgan, we'll start with you. Take us through, other than the Niners, who is a loser of the week? <laughs> So, I mean, I was emotional for the Niners game. After all these losses, the Cowboys lost. I mean, the Eagles lost. There's so many teams I thought would be good that looked so bad and lost week one. As I take a step back and look at the situations. Okay, a very good, talented team. Chances are you're going to be okay. And until you start stringing together a few losses in a row, I'm not going to overreact. But I will react to a team that looked bad and has no talent, and that's the New York Jets. Uh, I mean, man, they don't have anybody on that team. They have Frank Gore no. starting at running back now because Le'Veon Bell's out for at least three weeks. Yeah, Denzel, Mim- yeah, Denzel Mims, who was our second round pick, he's on IR as well. I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan. I think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. But Adam Gase has set him back two or three years. Uh, at USC, he let the game come to him. He was a kind of typical like Southern California quarterback. It's so easygoing. Never, like, rushed anything, and now he's scrambling for his life, forcing throws. And his top option is Jamison Crowder, who had a good game, a nice long touchdown, but he had three or four drops. So, who's he going to throw to? And the offensive line isn't necessarily great as well. Uh, the, the tank for Trevor is in full effect. If they play their cards right, the Jets actually could get maybe a first or a second round pick for Sam Darnold and continue to build draft capital for a team that's so talent-efficient. And they're not even in a tough uh, division in the AFC East, probably easiest division, to be honest. And I don't see them winning more than three or four games. Yeah, I mean, Sar- Sam Darnold did not play well. He was actually the the lowest-graded yeah. offensive player for the Jets, but according to PFF. Um, and I, I think mechanically he's a, he's a really good quarterback, but he reminds me a little bit of, uh, I don't know, even Daniel Jones or Jameis Winston, where he's going to be on it for a lot of the game, and then he'll also make these just wild, stupid decisions where he's throwing into poor coverage or getting frazzled and running around and, and throwing without looking and that kind of stuff. 
and that's the big concern because in the NFL, if you turn the ball over and you lose that turnover margin, that's the number one indicator for whether you're going to win or lose a game. So as a quarterback, you can't win a game by yourself, but you can lose one by yourself. And you got to cut down on the turnovers. That's that's ultimately what it's got to be. You got to make better decisions. You got to take care of the ball, and he's not doing that right now. And I don't know if that's some disconnect with him and Gase or uh, a lack of skill positions there. I feel like you can't even really fully evaluate Darnold because there's just not been anything around him for the entire time he's been in the NFL. So yep, uh, yep. I you know I don't know what the path forward is for the Jets or if he ends up somewhere else, but it's it's not good right now. He's only 23. So it's yeah. not yeah. like he's some reclamation project. He's younger than Joe Burrow. He's still yeah, young. He's crazy. He's still young. And he's, he's got time figured. to yeah. figure this out. And the the really really the issue is this, man. Look, Gase is not the guy. At some point, you got to just give up on this failed experiment and find a coach that Darnold can grow with. But beyond that, I mean, they need to build around Darnold a little bit better. It's been too many. It's been a few years now, and they haven't really done anything to put him in a position to succeed other than draft a left tackle. And this team allowed the highest pressure rate of any team in in uh, the league in week one. That doesn't help Darnold. Not only not having any skill positions to toss the ball out too quickly and make some plays, and you know you got Le'Veon Bell on IR now too. There's literally no one on this team to help him out, but you allow the highest pressure rate as well. And quarterbacks under pressure are just inherently going to be worse, unless you're like Russell Wilson and you're some sort of freaking magician. Um, you know, Darnold's, Darnold's still seeing ghosts, I think. And it's it's going to be a tough go this season. And whether the Jets is the right place for him, I don't know. I'd almost want to see him get traded and have a fresh start somewhere yes. else just because he does have potential and it would be cool to see him kind of break this string of USC quarterback curse that we, we've seen. But, um, man, like, this is not it. This team is going to have probably the worst record in the league, I think, if they don't make some changes and i don't even know that there's any changes really to be made so yeah i mean it'll be interesting for darnold too especially what they do at the coaching position is you know when his contract is up he can just say i'm out i I, I ain't staying here man i'm getting out of here if they get the first pick they're picking trevor lawrence you have to i mean your first pick that you get a chance to start over with a guy who is not i'm saying not mahomes but he has mahomes-like qualities Ian totally press restart on this whole franchise and go with the future. But Darnold, he can still be a high-level quarterback somewhere. He just needs to be in the right position. That's for any quarterback. Yeah, Any yeah. quarterback in the last three years that's been drafted and starting but in the worse position than Sam Darnold, I can't think of one. No, I don't I mean, think there is. Josh, even, Josh Rosen. Well, <laughs> yeah. okay, but he didn't really – I mean, yeah. speaking of Josh Rosen, let's – let's uh, you know, if I'm yeah. Joe Douglas and I'm the GM of the Jets, I'm looking at the Cardinals as sort of a blueprint for how to move forward. We're in for a losing season, right? Let's lose whatever. Fans are going to hate it. It's not going to be good. It's not – nobody's going to have fun. Let's lose. Find a new head coach. Let him get the quarterback he wants, probably Trevor Lawrence. Let them start together and build from there. Same way um, Kyler Murray and uh, Kingsbury did in Arizona, and that's looking like it could be a winning formula. So if I'm and Joe if, Douglas, I'm I'm copying that to a T if I can. If they hired Eric Bieniemy, the offense coordinator from Chiefs, and they run that system with Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, you can do a lot of the same things with Trevor Lawrence that you do with Mahomes. Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to say he's going to have his second year throwing 50 touchdowns, but they have similar qualities that you can have almost the same exact system to build around. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. got to find a Tyree kill and uh, Travis Kelsey. Which <laughs> yeah. won't be yeah. a problem, of course. No. Well, you Chris Herndon is actually and... maybe the one 
bright spot in my opinion the tight end chris herndon is solid he's so, not bad yeah yeah um let's yeah. this has been a lot of time spent on the jets i'd prefer to not talk about the jets this much but let's <laughs> probably we'll never talk about on. them as much again yeah let's let's make that a uh, pact let's move on to uh your loser casey who do you got yeah i've got tampa bay and less their defense more their total offensive showing um i did predict brady would throw two interceptions he did um but he's now uh the first quarterback since 2013 to throw three pick sixes in, a, in three straight games wow uh so matt schaub did it and blaine gabbard did it in, two, in 2013 and now here tom brady is doing it uh spanning multiple teams even with the patriots and now the buccaneers and it, it's sort of clear the chemistry isn't there quite yet um you know you don't have preseason you don't have all that those reps um and we we knew that quarterbacks would struggle or that quarterbacks have historically struggled in Bruce Arians offense in that first year and we thought you know Brady's you know Brady's Brady and it won't apply to him but maybe it will and maybe it's a it's a two-year sort of deal to get things going fully in Tampa Bay I, I think thing, the ship will write a little bit and they might end up being a, a a wild card team but i mean gronk had two catches for 11 yards mike evans was beat up but he only had one catch for two yards ronald jones had 66 yards rushing fournette had five carries for five yards it was just a, a putrid performance by the offense and when your defense holds the saints to 27 points you know you expect to win that if you have all those weapons on offense uh and they and then additionally you know tom brady's pick six turns that into the 34 and now it's a little tougher but your defense is doing their job. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about them. Most of the fact that it didn't seem like Bruce Arians tried to, tra- that it tried to change his offense at all for yeah. Tom Brady. Throwing yeah. a lot of passes outside the hash marks, which isn't Brady's game. He doesn't have the arm strength anymore. Got attacked the middle of the field on slants and slants, and then, boom, double move over the top. So I'm still not concerned for the long term. It looked like a team that hasn't played together on offense. A lot of yep. miscommunications, a lot yep. of kind of wild throws, no chemistry with your receivers. Gronk looked a little slow, but they still have the talent. The first three or four weeks will be rough for them offensively. But by week six and seven, if they aren't hitting that stride yet, then it's time for me to really be concerned. 100%. And we touched on it a little bit last week. You know, the, basically the main reason I picked the Saints was exactly that. Just limited offseason, a lot of new pieces, very little time to develop that chemistry, whereas the Saints are the exact opposite. A lot of co- consistency, and that team has been together for quite a while at the skill positions. Um, so it kind of played out how I thought it would, and um, the, the Saints played well. And But let's, let's you know, let's credit that Saints defense. Marshawn Lattimore absolutely shut down Mike Evans. Um, and in general, I think, you know, it, it wasn't just a lack of chemistry from Tampa Bay. The Saints defense played pretty damn good. Um, so they deserve to win the game. And, and I think Tampa Bay, this will be sort of a wake up call that it's you're not, you know, this dream team that's going to come in and breeze to the Super Bowl. You got you got things to work out and uh, they probably will. I think they will. And Bruce Arians is a good coach, so it, it'll it'll uh, it'll be fine. I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's we're setting the pla- the platter here for you, Cyrus. You you've got the last loser. I got the and, last uh, loser. This one hits close to home. I had to take this one and touch on it. I think we all kind of know who it is, and if you know me, you know I'm an Eagles fan, and I have to pick them as the loser of the week. This, excuse my language, but this was fucking embarrassing. I am I was in shock just watching this game. I 
it was it was the polar opposite of last year week one we played the redskins we came back from down 17 to beat them this this year we basically handed them the game on a silver platter and made countless countless mistakes this was the largest comeback that we've allowed as a as the eagles franchise in, in franchise history we allowed the most sacks we've allowed um or Washington had the most sacks that they've ever had since 2014, excuse me. Um, and this was Washington's first home first home victory uh, in week one since 2011. So all these all these accolades and stats we're allowing for a team that doesn't even have a name and is is really, at the end of the day, a different class than what you're supposed to be as the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, I have a lot of things to say. I'm going to try to keep it concise, but you cannot allow Wentz to get sacked eight times. This Eagles offensive line is in absolute shambles, and if it continues like this, it's going to be very. It's going to be a very bad season. This is the most sacks the Eagles have allowed uh, since 2007, since before Wentz was even in the league, and it led to what I'd consider probably the worst game I've seen Wentz play, and he had three turnovers as a result, which led directly to two scores on the other end. Um, he made a ton of mistakes, though. It's not all on the offensive line. He continues to hold the ball too long. He tries to extend plays when the better decision is to throw it away or get rid of it or just the play is dead, but he tries to, to work his magic. And that's a double-edged sword. Sometimes you, you get something phenomenal out of it. Sometimes you get sacked. Sometimes you turn the ball over. More often than not, probably. So he needs to learn to make better decisions and, and uh, know when it's time to give up on a play versus try to extend it and do some crazy shit which we all love seeing, but it, it is not always the best decision um, long-term uh, to win games. So add that to all the injuries. Brandon Graham now in concussion protocol. There's some off-field drama with Ertz and our GM, Howie Roseman, getting into a heated debate about contract negotiations. Man, like, could this be a worse start to the, to the season? I don't, I don't think they're, I mean, other than, you know, Wentz getting hurt or something, knock on wood, I don't want that to happen. I don't think there could be a worse start to this season for the Eagles. It was... It was pretty devastating, and to come out guns blazing, take a 17-0 lead, and then literally collapse, it was it was just disheartening. And and you know this is a tough schedule this year. Your easiest matchups are your divisional games against Washington and the Giants. And then you have one game against Cincinnati. But otherwise, I mean, you got the NFC West, best division in football. You got the Packers. I'm sure Casey would love to to hear me call them one of the best teams. <laughs> Uh, you play the Saints, you play the Ravens. You can't afford to drop games against this Washington football team with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. You just cannot afford that. So I honestly, realistically, like I know I'm, I'm kind of still torn up about this, uh, this game and it's just one game and you know, a lot can happen, but this right now looks like a four to five win team. If we continue to play like this, as well as have injury problems. Yeah. I mean, I think the offensive line is what it all comes down to we talked about it a couple episodes ago even last week uh that you guys would be fine but if you sustain any more injuries you're in a lot of trouble and lo and behold here we are sustaining some more injuries and that offensive line struggled a ton and i think even more what's a little bit concerning is that it's year five for carson wentz and in his last 17 games he has 19 fumbles Yep, And, you know, you got to understand that you're a veteran in this league now. You have to protect the ball. And it's sort of the same syndrome with, with Aaron Rodgers that was happening for a while and still continues to happen at times is that he just loves to hold on to the ball and try to make a big play happen. And it's a little bit of that hero ball. You feel like yep. you don't exactly have the weapons and you need to make that a fantastic play. And you hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball. You take a sack, 
or you fumble it or you, whatever, uh, make a bad decision, and now all of a sudden your team's way behind the chains, and it's you know you can't sustain offense that way. You might get one or two big plays, but it's just not a sustainable way to run your offense and to play quarterback. So I mean, if if guys get healthy, if Lane Johnson comes back, if Miles Sanders is back, uh, if Deshaun gets some more reps and is off his snap count and, and gets some more love there, you know I think things could turn around very quickly for the Eagles. But if if that offensive line doesn't get fixed, it's it's going to be tough. Hundred percent. And you mentioned it right there. You'll notice. I think Lane Johnson is is set to play next week. You'll notice a huge impact he has. Um, it's night and day for sure. Him versus our fifth string right tackle. But um, you know, one one bright. Actually, there's a few bright spots I want to shout out. But one in particular is Dallas Goddard. You know, 100 yards and a touchdown. He played phenomenally. Had a lot of yards after catch. And I want to plug a video Casey did on uh, the Eagles tight ends. Um, check out our YouTube. Really, really interesting breakdown and also kind of spotlights why Dallas Goddard might be the future in Philly. Yeah, he, he's really good. He can do yeah. it all. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the Eagles because we're going to talk about them as our first game of the week. But uh, just a quick shout-out to Washington. Good for them. Huge win. Defensive line looked nasty against uh, the high school JV-level offensive line that the Eagles <laughs> had out there. And also a huge shout-out to Ron Rivera. I mean, the guy has yeah. cancer. Had to get an IV during halftime. Well, they didn't have to get an IV during halftime, but got an IV during halftime to make sure he was at full strength and they won the game. The Washington culture is changing. They might not have the talent just there yet, but Ron Rivera, great guy, seems like great coach. Good for him. Yeah, and yeah. he outcoached Doug Peterson. I'm going to just throw it out there. He outcoached he, he, Doug Peterson in this game. He's a good coach because he's an adult. He played in the league. He knows how it works. He might not be the most creative X's and O's person, out there but he's an adult and that's ultimately what you want to have in, in a head coach oh and and it's it's in-game adjustments and, and when i think about what i would want in a head coach is being able to read and react to what's happening throughout the game and making decisions on the fly that that help your team win i don't think doug peterson did that in in any way um granted it's more on carson wentz and and his mistakes but doug peterson didn't help alleviate those yeah. Well, that's a good segue. I mean, you mentioned it. Our first game of the week, um, we have Rams at Eagles. We can talk about this and and kind of give our thoughts on what might play out. Um, Casey, you want to let's let's move to you for the for the first uh, take on this. Sure. I mean, we touched on it a little bit. It's 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 all going to come down to that offensive line. If Lane makes a, a difference and and shows up and uh, plays well, then you know I think they're going to have a shot. But what really concerns me is that interior. You know, those two guards that you've got um, and Aaron Donald. And if if that's the matchup that is the most skewed in front of the for the Rams, then it's going to be an issue because no matter what else happens, if you have better skill guys, if you have better tight ends, if you have a better game plan, if you just get annihilated and mauled up the middle by Aaron Donald, uh, you're going to see Carson Wentz running around for his life again. And uh that can't happen. So I, I think Doug Peterson does need to, you know, look in the mirror a little bit and be reflective of what he could have done. Maybe focus on that quick passing game, some more RPO type stuff like he was doing with with Foles on that Super Bowl run and, and sort of getting the ball out of his hands quickly. You don't have a ton of guys to get it to, but if Miles Sanders is back, that'll help a ton. Uh, if you use some guys like Ertz and Goddard and Rager in the in the RPO game, I, I think that can sort of alleviate that pressure and, and mitigate that a little bit. Um, 
So, but overall, I think the Rams are played pretty strong against the the Cowboys. They had some lulls on offense, but that defense showed up, and so I'm taking the Rams 34 to 21. You touched perfectly about the uh, Eagles' offense and what they need to do. The Eagles' defense is pretty banged up as well. They have a number of guys who got hurt last week and have been hurt before that as well. And the Rams' offense, what they showed was they're going to get the ball out of Goff's hands as quick as possible. Get the ball to Cooper Cup. Get the ball to Bobby Woods. Malcolm mm-hmm. Brown looked great. <laughs> I, I was shocked by that development. Yeah. And the Eagles' linebackers, I've been harping on this you know, all offseason. Weak at linebacker and banged up on the defensive line. Get the ball out of the hands of Goff quickly. Make those guys run sideline to sideline. I don't know if they had the speed or the depth to sustain long-term uh, success against his Rams defense. And that's why I have it 27-21 in favor of the Los Angeles Rams. Durgan, I know you love linebackers, but I'm just going to throw <laughs> this out there. The Cowboys have phenomenal linebackers well, and still the, lost this game. So, I, I mean... Vander Esch got hurt in the first like quarter, he did. so it was, it was Jalen Smith and God knows who, and Alden Smith, who by the way looked phenomenal, uh, yeah. track himself down. But Alden Smith more rushing and passer than anything else. But those guys are better than what the Eagles have, and they couldn't keep up with the Rams. Fair, but our secondary is better than what the Cowboys have, and I think Darius True. Slay is going to shut down one of those guys. Um, probably either probably Robert Woods is who they'll they'll have him shadow, but. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue as, as you think with the with the linebackers. The biggest issue is 100% without any doubt in my mind, Aaron Donald. And it's exactly what Casey said. It's going to be that interior pressure. Yes, you get Lane Johnson back. It's going to make a huge difference having him on the outside. But you got Aaron Donald lined up in the middle. This dude led the league in interior pressure for the past three seasons at 14.6%, uh, 13.9%, 13.5% against the Cowboys who probably have a better offensive line at this exact moment than the Eagles. He was at 28.6%, twice the rate of his previous three seasons that led the league. So don't be surprised if he comes in and has three solo sacks against the Eagles uh, and just dominates and feasts on the interior of that line. I mean, the Cowboys were second in pressure rate allowed in week one, and they were still competitive in this game. Um, the Eagles were third. So it's, it's, a cons- it's a concern for sure. Because I think, you know, that that can't be understated, interior pressure, when it comes to stopping both the run game, even if Miles Sanders is back, and then um, just taking advantage of, of both of our guards who are the weakest links on this offensive line. So that being said, you know, I don't think the Rams' D-line across the board is as good as Washington position to position. Aaron Donald is better than anyone on the, the Washington defensive line. But I think it's a lot easier to game plan against one player than it is to game plan against four or five every every single snap, um, sure. especially when you're missing people. So I, I'm, I'm still incredibly scared of Aaron Donald, though. That guy is a man among boys when it comes to uh, that interior defensive line position. But it comes down to that. You know, can you can you stop Aaron Donald even a little bit? You probably won't stop him completely. Just nobody really does. But then on top of that, you know, injuries. We have a lot of players. They're all questionable. No one is necessarily, besides Vinnie Curry and one of our backup cornerbacks, you know, they're completely out. So you got Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham. These are all key contributors to the Eagles in, in important positions. If they can go and play, you have a much better chance of winning this game. If they don't, or if only a few of them do, it's going to be probably a loss. So unfortunately, you know, I'm still kind of down. I got to take the Rams in this one. Just put my big J journalist hat on, as Durgan says, <laughs> and you got to take the Rams. I mean, they looked pretty good. Jared Goff looked sharp. 
Um, so I got to take them 28, 24 Rams really going to be rooting for the Eagles though. And I think it could go the other way if everyone is healthy and can play. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this would have been a, a premier matchup to watch if the Eagles were at full strength. Uh, so hopefully some of those guys can come back and it's a nice competitive game because this could have big implications as far as the playoffs go. This is a tiebreaker uh, as far as seeding goes, whether it ends up being wild card or home field advantage or even a bye week down the line. Um, the yep. NFC clashes are, are going to be important. Yep. Well, and then especially after dropping that game to Washington, I mean, if you can win this game as as the Eagles, it kind of alleviates a lot of things because – you know, when you looked at the schedule early on, you knew this this would be a toss-up, and then you kind of penciled in Washington as a victory. So, um, yeah. one and one after two games would be a completely different story, and you would see a lot less rioting in the streets of Philadelphia than you will if it's zero and two. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Let's move on to our next game. Keeping it in the NFC, we got the Falcons at the Cowboys. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, the Cowboys' offense did not look like I expected them to look uh, uh, on Sunday night against the Rams. But I think that, you know, the Falcons' defense might be the cure-all for offenses this entire (laughs) season. So that uh, they're pretty talent-deficient on the defensive side of the ball. And they just don't have the guys back there to to cover all the, the tools that the Cowboys have. Um, the Seahawks tore them up and I think the Cowboys are going to do the same. It'll be McCarthy's first win as the Cowboys head coach. I was super high on the Falcons going into this year. I thought they could surprise some guys, but, uh, after watching what the Seahawks did to them, I know that's, you know, potential MVP candidate there, Russell Wilson, and they've got some tools on offense too, but, uh, that defense is, is not, it ain't it. So I got the Cowboys winning 34 to 28. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Uh, McCarthy didn't get off to a great start. I mean, a questionable fourth down call uh, that could tie the game. So they went for it instead of kicking a field goal. And this is, I think, as close to a must-win game as you can get for the Cowboys. And uh, actually, because I'm breaking news really quickly, just got the update. The Niners did sign Mohamed Sanu. So oh, we're breaking news now on this podcast <laughs> for the first time ever. Uh, but back to the Cowboys. Yeah, they're going to put up points. Uh, Zeke looked pretty good on offense in that Cowboys new system. So that kind of alleviated some worries I had about him. Uh, Falcons, they can throw the ball. Three guys over 100 yards receiving last week. However, like you said, their defense is terrible. The Cowboys' defense isn't great, but I think they can generate more pressure than the Seahawks did. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that's make a difference. 31-28 Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with Zeke overall. He looked, he looked a little faster, a little bit more burst, a little bit slimmer or something. Um, so I was impressed with him overall. Worst part about his game is a new tattoo. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, it was not a great, unfortunate look, but, uh, tattoo. <laughs> but I got the Cowboys too. I mean, I think this is going to be an offense-heavy shootout, a back and forth. Both secondaries aren't great. Um, both teams have really, really great wide receivers and quarterbacks that can that can throw it. So. Uh, I really am predicting, I think this is going to be a coming out party for CeeDee Lamb. I think we see him with 80, t- 80, not 80, t- 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, the Falcons are really going to try to, to key in on Cooper and Gallup. They probably won't be able to, but I think CeeDee Lamb is going to have a lot of open opportunities. Uh, Falcons, I mean, they're fool's gold in my mind, right? Every Every season we come into it and we look at this Falcons team and we say, man, they look pretty good. 
And then they come out and they either lose closely contested games or their defense is trash. And you have Dan Quinn, who is a defensive head coach. At some point, something's got to give. I mean, you can't have a defensive head coach and then a bad defense. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. I'd like to see them kind of reconsider Dan Quinn at some point if the season doesn't go as planned. Bring in an offensive mind. See what he can do with Matt Ryan and these really, really good weapons. I mean, you got two number one receivers on uh, in Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, um, both playing really well. But then you got a defense that's really losing you games. So I'd like to see probably maybe give Dan Quinn half a season at this point, see what he can do. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, it's going to be interesting watching this Cowboys team and see. Really, to me, they look kind of like eh, I don't want I don't know if I want to say it, but they look really similar to last year, just on the offensive yeah, side of the ball. Not, they did. You know, I mean, they kept Kellen Moore, so there's a reason for that. Obviously, you know, similar offensive scheme, and there's good and bad that comes with that. But, um, you know, you lost your tight end. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL. Probably being 11 personnel or 10 personnel the entire game. And I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. They're, uh, they just have too much, too much talent, and they're more balanced than the Falcons, even though I'd like to pick the Falcons because I'm really rooting for them, but they seem to let me down consistently. So, Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're not quite there yet, and I don't know what the the answer is uh, as far as an infusion on on defense but uh that offense can score points so that they just got to be clicking like they were when shanahan was there when they went to the super bowl you know matt ryan is not that far removed from an mvp season so if they can recapture that magic uh you know they they put up some points against jamal adams in that seahawks defense so they just got to play well on offense all the time to have a shot essentially um but we can move on to our next game, which is the Ravens at the Texans. And I'll start out. And, I, you know, the Texans are going to have another blowout loss yep. to another <laughs> yes, good team. And, you know, that seems to be the MO of the Texans with Bill O'Brien. Um, they are good and beat the teams that they generally should. And then they just crap the bed when they play teams that are of equal caliber or a little bit better uh david johnson looked good will fuller made some plays at the end in garbage time but uh, the ravens are just too good i think and jk dobbins looked looked good mark ingram is running hard you got lamar jackson you got mark andrews you got hollywood brown who made a really good catch uh, I just think it's going to be overwhelming for the Texans. And I don't think the Texans offense, which is sort of what they're built on, is going to be able to keep up. And, you know, that's a shame because you have a fantastic quarterback in Deshaun Watson and you have some solid skill pieces there. And that's Bill O'Brien's thing is offense. But, uh, you know, I don't think they got enough juice there. And the, and the Ravens are a pretty complete team on, on offense and defense. So I got the Ravens winning 41 to 24. Yeah, I'm with you. I got Ravens 34-17. The Texans couldn't stop the Chiefs' run game. They will be embarrassed by the Ravens' run de- uh, run game. Look for Lamar Jackson to rush for over 150 yards. Yeah, I am complimenting Lamar Jackson for the first time ever <laughs> on this show. He is going to run wild on this defense. And because of that, Deshaun Watson won't have as many chances to have the ball in his hands. So that's why I had the low uh, total output for them scoring wise. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be. It's a really tough way for them to start the season with the Chiefs and the Ravens, two of the best teams 
in that uh, AFC. But, yeah, they could really use an offensive weapon like DeAndre Hopkins. For they sure, could. for it would sure. Be nice. Dave, but you know what? Casey mentioned it. David Johnson looked pretty good. So uh, you know, if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. And I, I think this is just a tough team. You're, not, you're, you know, you're not in a position to beat the Ravens just in any facet of the game. Maybe in like deep throws, but otherwise, you're going to lose this game. The Texans are going to lose this game. The Ravens are looking extremely dominant. The Texans are looking if flashy, you know, and at certain points. But uh, it's un- it's an unfortunate scheduling for them. They have to play the Chiefs and then the Ravens back to back both extremely probably the best teams in the AFC so uh I'm with you Durgan I'm this the Ravens are going to run all over them I'm I'm thinking 200 total rush yards from the Ravens side or more um and the Ravens win 38 to 27 against the Texans the Ravens uh do let's move on to our next game we got the Pats at the Seahawks what do we think happens with this one Casey let's start with you yeah I think it's going to be a nice solid defensive battle you might not want to watch the whole game through but if it's on red zone you might find some interesting you know stuff going on <laughs> it's a sunday night football game so we gotta watch it oh there We're you go stuck. You're, you're forced you're forced to watch the brutal defensive battle sort of like the titans and the broncos where you oh, know God. they're playing between the 20s the whole game and yep. missing field goals and stuff uh but the the, pa- the patriots struggled for long stretches in that game against miami and that miami defense is getting better and Brian Flores is a really good coach, I think. But, you know, they should be scoring more than 21 points. Um, and I think Cam will eventually be a good fit there, but they're not in the groove yet. And the Seahawks looked really strong against the Falcons. So I'm going to have to go with the Seahawks, unfortunately. Seeing the Seahawks perform well gives me nightmares because they've knocked us out of the playoffs a number of times, <laughs> as have the Niners. So like any NFC West team doing well, the, the Cardinals have the Cardinals have also knocked the Packers out of the playoffs a number of times. Rams so I don't, I don't want to see any of them in the playoffs. Um, but I'm going with the Seahawks 24-17 to over the Patriots. Yeah, I agree with you. Defensive battle. It's going to be a rock fight. Uh, we spent a long period of this show talking about how great Russell Wilson is. I don't think he's looked bad this weekend, but I think Bill Belichick is still the best coach in the league, especially on the defensive side. They might not have the names they used to, but they still play tough. They played pretty well uh, this past weekend. I got Seahawks 21, Patriots 20. Uh, Cam is going to just possess the ball. They're in a dominate time possession or run the ball. Sonny Michelle looked pretty well, uh, looked pretty good actually. Uh, Cam be more aggressive running the ball, and those keep the ball out of uh, Wilson's hands. Hopefully, force a turnover or two. But ultimately, Seahawks are just too good, uh, and Russell Wilson is just too good, and will wear out that Patriots secondary. Yeah, I got the Seahawks as well in this one. You know, it was fun seeing Cam succeed, but let's be real, it was Miami. I don't know what I expected. I picked Miami to win, but obviously that was a huge mistake. Um, Cam, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I'm torn on him. He's still a great athlete. Uh, didn't come out and kind of play as good as I thought that the Pats should have. But uh, they still won the game. You know, this is a different defense as well. I don't anticipate them getting as much pressure on uh, Russell Wilson, even though they're, uh, the Seahawks offensive line is just historically not great. But you still got Stephon Gilmore and you got the McCourty brothers in the secondary. So it's still a solid defense and you got the best defensive head coach. But I can't pick against the Seahawks after seeing how they just dismantled the Falcons in uh, week one. So I got the Seahawks 27, Pats 17. Let us move to the next game. We got the Saints at the Raiders. Casey, what are your thoughts you know i just want to say i'm proud of the raiders for getting out of the toilet bowl that they were in <laughs> last year a number of times well, like and now five years. Here, here they are in our game of the week 
and my heart really wants to pick the Raiders, but I don't know that that defense is ready to get an important stop. I thought going into the year that they would be. Uh, Max Crosby played really well last year. They're getting back Abrams, who was injured early on in the year at safety. Um, they filled their linebacker holes with Corey Littleton and you know you hoped Cleland Farrell would would come along a little bit and all of a sudden that that defense would start to gel and be able to generate some stops but then they played the fucking Panthers who are you know Not Teddy great. Bridgewater at on offense and they got you know Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson and that's about it for the entire team because they they were starting like four rookies on defense like they just do not have talent in carolina right now and they were letting them go up and down the field and and score and that game was way closer than it should should have been so that gives me pause um i think the if there's any game here this week that the raiders could uh, or a team could pull an upset i think this is the one where it could happen um I expect Gruden to try to shorten that game and play his ball control offense, possess the ball, minimize the number of possessions that the Saints are going to have. But ultimately, I just don't trust the Raiders' defense to get enough stops. Um, if the Saints can score 34 points against the Buccaneers, they should score at least that against the Raiders. So I have the Saints winning a close one, 37-35. to 35. You're a new Raiders fan? You're a big fan of them now. <laughs> Maybe they're my AFC team. But this won't be close, in my opinion. The Saints are a wagon. Great offense and a surprisingly good defense. The Raiders secondary is very young. It won't be ready for the Saints attack. Like you said, they gave up 30 to the Panthers offense with Taylor Bridgewater. And the Saints, even without Michael Thomas, he will not play this weekend. That's also some breaking news that came out while we recorded this podcast. Doesn't matter. Taysom Hill might get 100 yards uh, receiving this week. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the Saints offense too much. Kamara looked pretty good. And uh, Raiders offense, I think, will look okay, but won't be able to put the ball in the end zone. And the Saints will just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. This game will be over by the second quarter. 42-24 Saints. Yeah, I got the Saints in this one too. I do think, unlike Durgan, I think it might be more unsuspectingly close than we might think. And especially without Michael Thomas on, on the, uh, even though he didn't really do much in week one, but especially without Michael Thomas, uh, you know, the Raiders kind of surprised me, but then you also look back, like you said, and it was, it was the Panthers. So uh, really what it comes down to, I don't think the Raiders defense is going to stop the Saints. And I don't think the Raiders offense can keep pace throughout four quarters with the Saints offense. And they kind of showed that against the Panthers. I mean, they were up 27-15 at the end of the third, and they let the Panthers climb back in it and make it a ball game. Um, you know, it was a close finish, 34-30, and it shouldn't have been. You should have closed out that game, and that's what great teams do. And I think the Raiders are close, but just not quite there yet to, to compete with the Saints. So that's what I got for that game. 35, Saints 35, Raiders 27, Saints pulling it out. Let's move on to our toilet bowl of the week. OBJ we bowl. The OBJ <laughs> bowl. Uh, he's not playing in this one this week. But we got the Giants at the Bears. Casey, what do you think is going to shake out in this one? Yeah, you know, it's a battle of two somewhat maligned quarterbacks. Jones, I thought, played pretty well. He made some a couple dumb decisions against the Steelers, but overall I was really impressed with how well he played uh, on Monday night. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's those dumb decisions where it, it results in a turnover that can put your team in a really bad hole. I think they had like a – was it was it this, this last game where they had 19 
a 19 play drive against the Steelers and they marched all the way down to like the five yard line. And then he got hit while he was throwing out. So he was scrambling out uh, and threw an interception. And the fact that you can put together a 19 play drive. Whoa, that that impressed (laughs) me from the the Giants. Like that's the, that means you're barely getting a first down every time and getting some penalties thrown in there and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But I, I think ultimately the bears defense gives too much of an issue for the giants offense for them to be able to outscore even mitchell trubisky trubisky came on hot at the end of the game in the fourth quarter uh and came back and probably should have lost because deandre swift uh dropped that ball from matthew stafford um but uh ultimately i'm going to take the bears 26 to 23 and uh maybe mitchell trubisky's job lasts yet another week and nick Foles stares longingly on the sideline for his chance we've been boring today picking the same exact winners up till this point i'm gonna go giants 24 bears 14 i'm believing in we'll see the trubisky the first three quarters instead of the fourth quarter this week and the giants didn't look bad they kept that game closed for the most part without saquon barkley making much of an impact i think he had negative yards rushing uh last time in a football golden tate will be healthy would be huge uh, Bears D is strong, but ultimately I like Daniel Jones more than I like Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you, Casey. I think the Bears defense is going to win them this game. Um, this will. This is a toilet bowl, but I think this is going to be a barn burner. And my guy <laughs> oh, uh, Trubisky, as as bad as he was through three quarters, really, really turned it on there in the fourth. Man, three touchdowns in the fourth to lead that comeback. Um, all of which were in tight windows. I looked at some next-gen stats, and uh, all of those three touchdowns were less than one yard of separation. So he threw some dimes at the end of the game there. And, um, you know, it's it's a good sign. You like to see stuff like that if you're the Bears. Can he do it consistently? Probably not. You know, he hasn't shown it yet. But, he, you know, you can't discount that. I mean, any other any other QB comes in that's that we know well and we, we can consider to be a good QB and throws three touchdowns in the fourth, and we're praising them. So I don't want to discount what Trubisky did. It, it was a pretty good comeback. I mean, that being said, um, the X factor in this game is 100% Saquon Barkley. If he has 15 carries for six rush yards again, there's, there's just no way the Giants can win this game. Um, and it's possible. I mean, that's a stout Bears defense. So, you know, unless... Uh, Unless the Bears sign uh, Steven Goskowski and have him out there kicking, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose this one. I'm going to pick Bears twenty-one, Giants twenty in a barn burner. Nice. I like the barn burner reference. Bring yeah. it back to last season. Bringing it back to last season. Uh, Got to do it. Got to do it. Thank you for tuning in to episode fifty-six. We really appreciate you guys sticking with us here uh, for week one. We're really excited to dive into week two as well and uh, discuss our winners and losers next week before we head out i want to give my co-hosts an opportunity to plug some upcoming content they have that you might want to check out casey anything exciting that you would like to share with the beautiful listeners yes but the coach's film is not even out on nfl game pass so i haven't gotten to look at any of that stuff so if you're you know sitting by the computer ready for wednesday morning to to watch a a breakdown on youtube it's not going to happen this week and it probably won't happen the rest of the season uh, on Wednesdays, at least. It will come out at some point. As soon as that stuff is up, I'll get working on it. I'm probably going to take a look at the Rams series of play calls. So how the outside zone builds and McVay's system and all the, the boot, the naked boot action that he runs and how those plays build off of one another and how they're counters to one another and how that helps that offense go.
So that'll be out sometime this week. Make sure you tune in. Uh, check out youtube.com slash weekly spiral. Sweet. Yeah. Maybe discuss uh, Jalen Ramsey's Oscar winning performance uh, as well on that, <laughs> yeah. that OPI call. Uh, Durgan, what about you, man? Anything, anything coming up you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, so when this podcast comes out, we'll have a Jalen Twyman breakdown, former Pittsburgh Panther, opt out for the draft. He's a clone of Aaron Donald, worth 97, same height, same weight as he were in college. But is he as good? Probably not, but find out why. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> Excited for that one. This has been a Weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We greatly appreciate it. Check us out at weeklyspiral.com. You can find us on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash weeklyspiral. All of our social handles, you'll find us by searching Weekly Spiral. And again, we greatly appreciate you sticking with us and looking forward to covering week two with you next week. Week two.